0: A complete color management system designed by colorists for colorists, helping salons to eliminate waste, ensure consistent color and pricing, track inventory, and maximize profit. To learn more about Vish, simply text in all capitals, "GET VISH" with no space, G-E-T-V-I-S-H to the number 44222 for more information. Hello, and welcome back to Ask the Color Expert. Today, I have the pleasure of interviewing a long, long time dear friend, Donna Rogio. We have been friends for over 20 years, both of us being salon owners, and now both of us being on to our next adventure out of owning salons. I am here in her beautiful home in Ibiza, Spain. So I wanted to share her story with all of you about what it looks like at the end of your business as a hairdresser, as a salon owner, as a suite, solo suite renter, whatever your role is in the industry. It's important to really have a plan for your exit strategy and I think it's safe to say that most people do not think about it until they're entirely burned out and just had enough and then it's kind of the scramble of what do I do now. So I want to take the time to welcome Donna and have her introduce herself to you but she is the only person I've been doing here for 33 years and she is the only person that I personally know who was able to successfully sell a salon for what the salon was truly worth and be able to walk away and start a whole new life in a whole other country because she was smart about how she planned her strategy and she was very systems oriented in her business she wasn't just figuring things out along the way like I do we're laughing about it on this um, time together that I'm very you know I'm not numbers focused and she's very numbers focused so Donna say hello and introduce yourself thanks Elaine
1: Um, my name is Donna Roggio I got into the industry when I was 15 years old back in 1987 And now I live in Ibiza, Spain, half of my year, and I live back in the U.S. half of my year to spend time with my daughter. And I sold my salon about two and a half years ago, and now I've been working as a coach and a consultant for geared towards the salon industry, but helping salon owners to also set themselves up to have an exit strategy or just to reorganize and refocus so that they have a way out of our industry. And uh, yeah, so I get to hang out with Elaine for a few days, torture her a little bit.
0: And uh, yeah, so now we're here today doing this. So some of you already know that my daughter has taken over my salon. And the biggest reason being is that when trying to sell the salon, It's very difficult because you have employees in the salon. It's not like McDonald's where, you know, anyone can go in and hit the red button and French fries appear. The salon industry is based on relationships, Um, relationship with the stylist to their client. The client can be loyal to either the overall salon or to the individual stylist. And there's a lot of fear that comes along with change in the industry. And when, you go to sell a business, um, you know, a prospective buyer is concerned that, you know, what if I come in to the salon and I pay this money that you're asking and your entire staff walks out. So my question for Donna is, you know, how did you get past that? You know, that was a big hurdle for me. I had two to three different Um, People come along that were looking like they were really going to pull the trigger and purchase the salon, but the fear factor of the what-ifs kept them from following through, where my daughter, of course, trusts me that I wouldn't sell her a business that wasn't viable, and she's doing very well, even though she's not from the industry So Donna is helping her get straight, you know, better with her numbers, get more structure, the things that I wasn't good at. So when when you were meeting with prospective buyers, how did you alleviate that, you know, obstacle of the what-ifs? So Elaine, I
1: I think a lot of the obstacles that salon owners have when they're trying to sell is through the years, they haven't necessarily organized well, they haven't documented well, um... They think their salon is worth maybe more than it actually is. Or maybe they're hiding cash or moving things around or taking a commission where it should be a salary or taking a salary where it should be commission. And the way that I set up the the business was I wanted the business to thrive whether I was behind the chair or not. Um, so this is the way that I set up everything. And I was also legal. So everything went through my bank. Everything went through my books. Everything went through my cards. Um, It was actually my accountant that helped the transaction a little bit because he knew how good my business was and he knew that it was an honest business. So from working with him and having all the systems in place, it was really easy to show on spreadsheets, essentially. It was really easy to show on spreadsheets what all of my girls were doing, what all of the sales were, what the profit margin was, what my expenses were. It was kind of a no-brainer. And I think that that comes from just being organized enough in enough time I should say because it's not to try and pull this all together over a week when somebody's burnout and they're ready to sell and then they say okay help me get organized now I need to do everything all at once so I can sell this it's a process and the process is you know by your systems and your organization so that it shows a trend and not just I'm going to try and reorganize right today and now make it seem like the business is making a lot of money which it always Maybe did, but now I'm going to try and move that money around. It looks suspicious to somebody that's coming in from the outside. So my particular buyers were not are also, like your daughter, not hairstylists. They're business entrepreneurs, and they want to make sure that they have a return on their investment. And the way to show that is from showing them that they will have a return on their investment through all of the expenses
0: and the sales. So what about the um, conversation that that in my experience, the conversation was the person that was interested in my business was given a salon, literally given free. Um, The owner was so burned out. They just wanted out. And you and I both talk about it. We know this happens every day in the industry. They're just like, take the damn keys. I'm so done. Just take it. I don't care what you do with it. I just want out, which is very sad because we work our butt off the whole time we're in it. But she was given the salon knowing the stress that was involved because she had been managing it. So the owner said, hey, here, take it. Just take over the rent. Do that. So her biggest fear coming into my business was, you know, I need this business to, I need to walk in. I'm not a hairdresser. I need for them to all stay, for all of them to continue to produce. And when we got down to the nitty gritty with the lawyers and the contracts back and forth, she said, well, I need you to guarantee me that I'm going to have this much income every year for the first three years. And I literally laughed out loud. I said, I could get hit by a bus tomorrow. I could, like, we don't know what's coming. I'm not, uh, I've owned this business for 30 years. I'm not guaranteeing I'm going to make X amount of money next year. So how can I, as someone selling a business, guarantee you that that's ridiculous? I mean, that was the deal breaker. I said, no way. So my numbers, to, to Donna's point, I didn't hide cash. I didn't pay under the table. I didn't pay shampoo girls $20 a day. I didn't do any of those things that a lot of salon owners, you know, through the years from experience from working at other salons and knowing a lot of salon owners, they had hard times buying homes. They couldn't buy cars because they're making all this money, but they're not showing any of it on paper. So you think that you're possibly winning because you're not paying a lot of taxes. But in the long run, your business is not going to be getting the amount of money that you deserve. So um, I'm not sure, Donna, what your accountant told you. I think the rule, the general rule of thumb is your um, profit, your average profit from the three years prior to wanting to sell your business multiplied by two and a half. Does that sound right for yeah. you? To, yeah. Yeah. So, So if you're not showing a profit, and like Donna said, if you're paying tons of expenses that have nothing to do with the salon, out of the salon, and making it look like you make less money, it's only going to hurt you in the valuing of your salon. But here's, you know, the flip side of it, Donna. What happened with me is I was so honest about the numbers, and they were so, you know, kept by a professional accountant and so true and honest that the value is so large that the buyer thought that it was BS. You know what I mean? She yeah. was kind of cause she's not above board. So she was like, oh, this is all fluffed up and, and inflated. And she didn't want to pay. So my salon ended up being valued and yours as well, um, for a really high number. And then that scares someone coming in because it's like, wow, I'm I'm paying this amount of money. But the other side of it is they're walking into a really established, successful business. So I love that Donna was able to successfully make that transition. Um, she had a, an agreement with them that she was going to stay on and work as an employee in the salon, and I want you to talk a little bit about that. Yeah, that's not...
1: not that that not wasn't an way. agreement. That wasn't an agreement. Actually, they, the, the two things that happened was they did ask me to guarantee that they would have the same amount, actually not the same amount of sales, but they would increase in sales. Mm-hmm. So they did ask this and my answer to this was this depends on how you manage the company and how the team connects with you and and if you continue to do the same systems that I've been doing, the girls are the team, essentially not just girls, the the team is very used to this and if you don't shake the boat and you don't make any changes for six months minimum, I think that it'll be a steady transition and then they can, you guys can form your relationships with them and I think that this this is a benefit to you. And, um, I did purchase the salon and when they, well, they purchased the salon and I went back to Spain for my normal trip and I came back and they hired one of my receptionists as their full-time manager because they didn't want to manage it. So this right off the bat was like, a, a a, yeah, it was a lot of a change for them. They did accept it well. They were kind of excited. I think that when a new owner comes in, they, the team also will say, Oh, well, can we get out of this transaction? Which is normal. This is Okay. But um, by making such a big change, it also rocked the boat a little bit in trust because they sat down at the first initial meeting and said, we're not going to change anything. Everything is going to stay the same for six months. Everything is going to stay the same. I don't even think they gave a time parameter. And then they made this huge transition of a change by hiring a manager. And I don't think that, you know, my personal opinion is that we don't manage people, we manage systems. And the team, if they're rewarded in the way that they should be rewarded if they're paid fairly for the way they 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 bring in their income then this all works out so i don't think that you need to have a manager to you came in five minutes late you left five minutes early this this to me is is already a downgrade from what i was doing so this was a bit disappointing right from the the get-go i did make an agreement with them for 90 hours of training over the period of i think it was three months And they only used me to work with them, I think, for a total of an hour and a half after they purchased the salon. They felt confident enough to take it over. Um, And they still own it two and a half years later. So this is okay, right? And then um, you also said something about making an agreement to stay on board. I didn't make an agreement with them that I would stay on board as a stylist. I only do hair two days a month. I only did hair two days a month before I sold it. And this is because I've been in the industry so long and I enjoy my clients and it's a fun day and it's artistic. But um, in our agreement, it was that I could have the chair for 10 hours a month until June of this year.
0: And what happened? They fired me. (laughs) So how did it feel to be fired from your own business? Because we're laughing, but this is the reality of not, this wasn't a partnership. So I don't want to say partnership, but when you're dealing with others, when you're a sole proprietor and Donna and I both have really strong personalities and it's hard for us to relinquish, you know, imagine like in your home, like if you're not a salon owner and you're listening to this and you've lived in your home for so many years, and then all of a sudden somebody buys your home and you have to live with them in your home, it shifts the dynamic. So you're now this stylist flying in from Spain to do your little couple hours a month, and it sounds in the agreement like the ultimate perfect situation. I get to work in my beautiful salon that I created to see my wonderful clients that I already know, and I experience this as well when I go back and visit in Philadelphia even though my daughter owns the salon and the staff is the same the decor is the same the clients are the same it's a different feeling when I'm in the building they kind of just it's almost like I'm the ghost of me like they just walk right past me it's like I'm not even there because I'm not always there anymore so what what did that
1: feel like well I always tell my I always used to tell my team and I would tell anybody now everybody is replaceable Mm -hmm. and uh you know, as you have challenges through the years working with your team members, you know, this is a hard fact, but it's a true fact. And when I sold the salon, I said, see, everybody is replaceable. Even me as the owner is replaceable. So, um, you know, me going after I sold it, I was I was relieved. I, I told my team about two years prior, I gave them a five year window and said in five years, I'm definitely closing it, selling it, transferring it to one of you. But it, it, it will come to an end when my daughter graduates in June this year. And um, so they kind of were aware. Um, I prefer to be really transparent in what's going on in, in my head and my feelings. And I think this is also a part of why my business was so successful because, you know, trust is is the key to relationships, right? So by them trusting me and me being transparent and telling them what was going on through the whole process, I think it kept them, you know, healthy in the situation. And healthy also in the transfer of ownership because they would trust me enough that I wouldn't find an owner that wouldn't treat them the way that I thought was important enough to be treated. Retrospect, different story. <laughs> but I really did at the time think that they would be, you know, great business owners for the salon. Um, you, you made another point that I wanted to address. What, what did you, There was another question that you just asked me. Oh, about working. So I would like go in. how weird is it to go back? So and- to me, it wasn't so weird. Actually, I... I accepted it really quickly and it wasn't a problem. The, the part that became hard for me was to see the disintegration of the systems mm. and the, the inconsistency of the follow through and the agreements that they had made to continue it the way that they did. So this was a bit frustrating. I can give examples and funny stories, but I don't think that you want that today. But just the disintegration of the camaraderie with the team and how the colleagues work together really well and took care of things and this was from those systems that were in place, the accountability factors. So it wasn't the people being managed, it was the systems. And this is where I felt the shortcoming was. And this was the frustration for me to see how, you know, what I built for 19 years and was working, selling to them with the intention of continuing, and how this started to to disintegrate really. And today disintegrate So did on. that
0: was that the reason that you ended up not continuing to work there as a stylist? Was it hard to watch what you had spent time building, because you, you were a gift to me when I met you, you explained systems to me. I would go to business workshops every year and the speakers would say, it's all about the system. It's all about the system. I'm like, well, what's the goddamn, like, what's the system? Tell me the system. They would never say what it was. And it was like this elusive thing to me, like, what is the system? But then you broke it down so much more simply, and that's your gift of of helping a salon owner. You said, you know, what happens when this happens? And what about this with the image? And I was like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And, and people, to your point, they always say people qu- quit leaders, not businesses. It's, you know, the fish stinks from the head down. So if my salon is chaotic, it's because I'm chaotic. And it's not because... To your point, I'm not saying, oh, you're five minutes late and you're out of dress code and your nail polish is chipped. It's not about micromanaging. It's about having um, a level of, um, what's the word that I'm looking for, like pride in your overall systems in the salon and, and that they're going to do it whether you're looking or not. you know. And I think for you probably to watch that not happening anymore the, the staff didn't stop doing the systems. The leadership stopped exactly. making it important. So, And one of the biggest keys that I want to hone in on and what you said was I told my staff within five years this is what's going to happen. And I think that is the, the nugget of this entire podcast right now is do not wait. If you're f- feeling that ick that I felt for seven straight years, I was like, I feel like every day's Groundhog Day. I'm so bored. I'm so unfulfilled. I know there's something pecking at me that I need to do besides own this business. But I didn't even know where to begin to start the exit strategy. And I've done other systems where they talk about doing it over time. And you and I talked about that last night. Um, one of the companies that does this, you know, they, they've tried to do it well Is the salon summit systems. They have a whole thing in place where you can start 10 years prior, seven years prior. The minimum is they want it to be five years prior. But like I said in the beginning of this podcast, Donna is the only person I've ever seen successfully sell a salon. So she is now very passionate. She still has all this information in her beautiful head. I wish you could see how pretty she is. You'll have to stalk her Facebook But she's beautiful inside and out and she really gets, her mind is like so analytical and mine is so not. And our conversations, my daughter is entertained by them this weekend because she's all about the fact, all about the, tell me about the number, tell me about the number. I'm like, I don't want to talk about the number. I want to talk about where we're going to dinner. (laughs) So, you know, it's just different brains and her and I are talking also that, You know it's important to, if you're not a numbers person and you don't understand it, find someone that does and get yourself set up. So that is what Donna does now. She is a beauty business coach. She can help you with, you know, we both spend way too much time on hair forums looking at questions that were like, oh, we wish we could help this person. But, you know, sometimes we'll reach out and they'll say, well, I don't have money to pay a consultant, but it's penny wise pound foolish because if you get a a really good consultant like donna she can look at you know we talked before i came here she said i'm consulting with this salon and within one hour of doing um interrogation i call it an interrogation (laughs) but an assessment she was (laughs) assessing their numbers and she took one look at their book and said Someone is stealing money from you through gift cards. Like her mom, she can look at that on a piece of paper and it jumps out at her where that owner had no idea that was happening for probably years. So it's a new set of eyes. It's a new perspective. I always, you guys always hear me talk about perspective and perception is everything. So if you're not a numbers person like me, if you hate spreadsheets and charts and measurements like me you hate one-on-one sit down with your staff and go everything like me someone like Donna is like she wants to do nothing more than to sit in your salon and meet with your employees and be the bad cop it's kind of like good no, cop like to be the good, good cop, cop bad no, cop, like cop, good cop but <laughs> but but you're you're calling them to the carpet on things that the owner is terrified to do and and it's mm-hmm. hearing it from someone Empowering different them to want
1: to do it for themselves which then benefits the owner So I always start at the team member. Right. So I start at the team member and them seeing their value and seeing what they bring to the table for themselves because I happen to feel very strongly about independent women being able to buy their own cars, their own houses, taking their trips, buying houses in Ibiza Mm -hmm. and these things. So I I believe there's, there's two different fundamentals here. There's the ownership part, which is the systems and the structure and the triple check system and things that make sure that everything is getting paid where it should and them understanding their numbers, which then in turn makes it saleable later. But then there's the empowerment of the team. And if you empower your team to do the best that they can, and give them the tools that they need, it's up to them to succeed, right? So it's up to them to execute it every day and use these tools that are provided for them. So I really like both sides. I I, I do have left and right brain. But if we're talking about selling the salon this is about the triple check systems this is about understanding where your money is coming in where your money is going out and we can hire bookkeepers and we do hire bookkeepers for this but really when you're hands-on i learned i learned this the hard way because i paid in a bookkeeper slash accountant for years almost the salary that i would pay i think a reception team member um to organize my books but when I moved a location, I decided that I wanted to take my books on myself, which is when I created these systems for myself for the salon and realized just really where I could save money, how I can organize better, how I had to, you know, I'm, I can be a, a, a bit ADD, a bit <laughs> on the spectrum, so I wanted to make sure that I had systems in place so that I could just plug in numbers and I would it would clearly show me if it matched or didn't match. It would clear, clearly show me a picture, and this was to my benefit I did it for a need, but it became to my benefit in selling the salon. So this was the the clear picture for them, you know, in the purchasing.
0: And that's that's something that um, Donna and I are talking about this weekend, how she can get that system into your hands as the solo suite runner, as the, you know, salon commission stylist. She feel strongly that the stylist should know their own numbers. They shouldn't wait until, we, you know, we've been talking about the end of the year. You know, it's, it's a new year right now, so people are getting their W-2 forms and they see what they, you know, earned last year, but it's too late to change anything about it. So if you're not paying attention to your numbers and you're just mindlessly going through life and you're buying your $7 Starbucks coffee every morning and thinking that it's no big deal... Where Donna would blurt out, I call her Rain Man because she'll be like, That's what was your number for coffee? $35 a week, <laughs> $35 a week, and which is this a
1: month and this a year. <laughs> and this, is you know, this is a vacation,
0: and this is, and, and I'm the jackass that does the coffee every morning for seven dollars. So that's why it's so fun to see us together because we could not be more opposite. But she got the gold watch, she got the bucket of coins at the end of the rainbow. I did not, so I love that we're able to share this with you right now because don't wait too long. Don't assume it's going to be an easy transition. Don't, you know, be desperate because so many salon owners just walk away and then they do piecemeal. They sell a mirror and they sell a chair. You know, a salon. my salon chairs in my most recent renovation were $900 each. So try selling that $900 chair for more than 50 bucks. I mean, I've had people say no at 50 bucks for a $900 chair. So the equipment is not what the business is valued with. It's the, you know, the money generated and how much of that money you actually get to keep. So Donna is more, you know, what's your percentage of your inventory? Like what's your output to your input? How much are you bringing in? How much are you paying out? And does that make sense? So if you're not numbers friendly and this is all sounding very overwhelming to you and you're driving in your car and you're starting to sweat because I've been sweating for four days with her talking to me about these numbers, it, it's unavoidable. You can't avoid it. It's like trying to be fit but never walking into the gym. It's like trying to get you know the end result and the prize but not doing the work. So I think time is very sensitive. It's almost like your investments. You know, if you start an investment fund for your child when they're 10 for college, you're only going to have enough for one year. If you start it when they're born, you have enough for, you know, all of college. So it's about, yeah, starting, being consistent, planning. So Donna, both of us could go on and on and on about how many amazing things she has to offer. But I really just wanted to um, bring her into my world to share her with you because in the 30 years that I was in the industry, I don't think I would have survived as long as I did if I didn't have her as a sounding board, as a somebody to set me straight when I was, you know, making excuses and this new project of hers, the beauty business coach. I mean, she doesn't only work with salons, but with being in the industry since 1987 and owning a very successful salon for 19 years, this is her favorite. You know, This is her forte, the salon business she knows inside and out. So Donna, we're going to wrap it up with you telling these people, wonderful people listening to us, enjoying our time in Ibiza, how they can get in touch with you. How do they get more information for you to help them someday get the uh, get the gold watch.
1: So you can find me on Facebook, personally, Donna Rogio. You can find me at The Business Coach, also on Facebook and on Instagram. Um, Is it The Business
0: Coach or The Beauty Business Coach? The Beauty Business Coach, thanks. They, they want to find you. Elaine's keeping me together. I'm her social media. <laughs> project manager I'm, um i'm so also learning email that is good and spell spelling rogio because people will be doing one sure
1: doing an email to reach me is donna rogio at gmail.com d-o-n-n-a-r-o-g-g-i-o at gmail.com yep and you can reach me personally and i'm happy to do an assessment and and uh, interrogation as she would say with you as
0: well <laughs> and see if we're a good fit together that's awesome so I hope you guys will check Donna out and I thank you for listening to another episode of ask the color expert have a great day thank you for listening to the ask the color expert podcast please subscribe and be sure to leave a review for more information on hair color education please visit my website www.expertcolorsolutions.com. See you soon.